Hey guys, it's Ed, and I'm coming to you live from the Motor City. And we have a, a really great show for you today. We have a lot of cool stories. Will is going to close us out with Politalk as usual. <clears throat> so sit back, buckle up, and enjoy the ride. We're going to um, start the ride with Hillary Duff and How I Met Your Father. So, we're going to kind of travel through a little bit of a convoluted timeline here. Back in 2018, early, maybe early 2019, um, Disney Plus was just a twinkle in the eye. And Disney announced that one of their flagship shows was going to be a Lizzie McGuire reboot. Uh, this would have seen uh, Hilary Duff uh, reprise her role as Lizzie McGuire. And um, they were going to do something fresh with it and have her be a 20-something navigating life in New York. Uh, Disney Brass was really high on the concept until they weren't. Uh, suddenly, um, they were having problems with the creator, Hilary Duff was asking them to move the project from Disney Plus over to uh, over to Hulu. And it had people scratching their heads and wondering what was really going on. Well, Disney acquired uh, 20th Century Fox. And along with acquiring it, they got a lot of really great assets, including the classic CBS sitcom, How I Met Your Mother. 20th Century Fox executives had been really high on producing a spinoff of How I Met Your Mother. Um, there's been at least three uh, incarnations of the show. Um throughout, since since the mothership ended, uh, CBS passed on all of them. <clears throat> um, and really, m- most people thought that it was the end of the road for the IP. But that was not to be. Once Disney started rooting through and figuring out what they wanted to do, um, getting a spinoff of How I Met Your Mother was high on their list. And thus we get the announcement last week that Hilary Duff was going to headline the How I Met Your Father spinoff. Uh, there's no word yet on who's going to do uh, the voiceovers. Though, as I mentioned, Meg Ryan was hired uh, to do it originally. And uh, it would seem... Uh, it it would seem reasonable to think that um, she was she would continue to do it. Um, but uh, nothing official has been said. Um, now if we go back a little bit, I want to talk about how this all came to be. Last year. 
uh, in the year known as Hell, Disney quietly announced that the Lizzie McGuire reboot was DOA. They were not going to move forward with it, and they were not going to move it over to Hulu. Which left people scratching their heads because Disney is really good about uh, mining their IPs. And so experts started wondering if maybe Hillary Duff had just dropped out <coughs> completely. And the truth is a little more complicated than that. Whatever you think you know about Hillary Duff, one thing you um, has to be said is she's a very brilliant businesswoman. <coughs> Sensing that uh, Lizzie McGuire was not going to be moved, she decided to strike while the iron was hot. Uh, you know, she's coming off a very acclaimed um, run on Younger. Uh, in fact, it's so acclaimed that Darren Starr, who created shows like Younger and Melrose Place and uh, Beverly Hills 90210, is working to create a spinoff centered on her character. And so she went to Disney and said, hey, I have this possibility here. What are you going to offer me? And they began talking about uh, different shows that, that she could be in. And she landed on How I Met Your Father. But negotiations were not that easy. They never are. Uh, she she wanted upwards of $250,000 per episode and she wanted a guaranteed uh, two season pickup at least um, she had also uh, wanted a big splashy promotional uh, um uh a big promotional press junket for the series. And believe it or not, Disney caved on a lot of these. Um, but instead of going with the big broadcast, uh, where the show they felt would not, uh, they didn't feel that the show would last, they put it over on Hulu, uh, where it could actually thrive, and it's home to the mothership, um, How I Met Your Mother. So while she was less than thrilled with being on a streamer, she knows that this is job security for her for at least a couple of, um, at least a couple of seasons. Uh, Disney's favorite hope is to be able to get it into syndication along with How I Met Your Mother. Uh, they want to package it as a block. Uh, will they be able to do it? We don't know. Um, outside of Bo, uh, BoJack Horseman, uh, it's not been really 
no streamer has attempted to syndicate original shows. Uh, so this this could be very interesting, uh, given that, uh, you know, with syndication, mostly uh, it, it airs and then goes into syndication. Uh, and it doesn't, at least it did not used to live on in... Um, on a streaming platform anywhere, whereas now it will. Uh, it could be a very lucrative business model should uh, should they be successful with this. Uh, don't be surprised when it gets picked up for a second season. Uh, my sources are telling me that this is all part of... Um, they're only announcing the first season, uh, but there's actually a deal in place for uh, a second season already uh, already being made. And Disney is hoping to move away from being known as the home of The Handmaid's Tale on Hulu, or for Hulu, however you want to say it. <laughs> um, and they, they want it to be known as kind of what they did with uh, ABC. A little bit campier, a little bit funnier. Um, a little bit more cutting edge. Uh, of course, ABC has re- receded from the cutting edge uh, reputation that they had for a few years. Uh, but that—that that is their hope for Hulu, and, and what they want to do, what they want to uh, kind of break Hulu out of its shell and set it apart from uh, Disney Plus and Netflix uh, and even Amazon Prime. Uh, right now, Hulu doesn't really have an identity. And Hilary Duff was savvy enough to play into all of that. So, that's really impressive. I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back. And I am back. So, anyone who's listened to this podcast knows that Zac Efron is hot. (laughs) Um, or at least, you know, I think he's hot, or I thought he was hot. That is, until he debuted his new face. Of course, this new face came on the heels of a breakup with his girlfriend. So, this is a big-ass mess, okay? I'm going to try to walk you through it, uh, because, believe it or not, the two are actually connected. No, he was not sad about uh, breaking up with his Australian girlfriend. Uh, They were never in a real relationship to begin with. It was always a bearding situation. Um, Now, when I say that, we are not implying that Zac Efron is gay. What we are implying is that he needed a girlfriend for PR reasons. There have been uh, allegations of Zach being a rent boy, especially on the downswing of his career, uh, where he would allegedly have sex with men uh, or women who paid a high enough price. Uh, Now that he's back on the upswing, those days appear to be behind him. Um... One of the reasons we know for sure that he needed a PR girlfriend was because 
uh, Australians didn't really seem to care for him. And he wanted to change that image a little bit. Now, we've talked about how he was also in rehab in Australia, which is um, also very true. Uh, And I believe has been reported by the mainstream media at this point. But I was talking with my L.A. source and we got some goods on this. So... Zach had been craving a franchise outside of High School Musical. And he could not figure out why he wasn't able to land a superhero uh, franchise. That was his ultimate goal. And so while he had his team putting out feelers asking why you know, Disney or Warner Brothers would not hire him. It was learned that his down-to-earth, everyday Australian girlfriend signed up to do a reality show uh, in the vein of Real Housewives. This upset him. (coughs) Rather, it upset his team. Uh, Believe it or not... He and the girlfriend had very little contact with one another unless uh, there was a um, photo op that needed to be done or if the rumors of his drug use or uh, the gay rumors got to be too much. So he learned about this through the press and his team was furious. They immediately manufactured the breakup and... Uh, got him out of Australia and filming in Canada. Someone, somewhere along the way, uh, my LA source believes that it was uh, someone on his team. Uh, My New York source believes that it was an actor buddy of his. But a confidant of his told him that he still looked like an aging twink. And he wasn't masculine enough to play a superhero. So while he was dealing with a very public breakup, uh, even if it was a bearding situation, he was also being told that he didn't look manly enough to headline a superhero franchise. His thought process was essentially a change would do me good. And we got this monstrosity that came out of it. What people failed to tell him was he was in line it was not a superhero franchise per se but it was one of the bigger franchises out there uh he was in the running to lead uh the gi joe franchise and in fact they were so high on him 
that they were going to not even make him audition. They were just going to uh, negotiate with his people. Uh, a lot of that came from his Ted Bundy movie on Netflix. And Netflix had actually wanted him to star in uh, one of their Knives Out sequels that are coming. With a hefty payday. Uh, they figured it would be good synergy to have his reality show air alongside uh, what they're what they are hoping is a critically acclaimed Oscar-worthy movie. Both studios, uh, Paramount and Netflix, have taken a step back after the reveal of his new face. They are very concerned about the optics of this. And they're also wondering why he would mess with his uh, with his looks, which is, um, in the words of one Netflix executive, we had very strong reservations about him playing Ted Bundy. But when he agreed to do the nude scenes himself, we went all in, figuring that even if he couldn't act, people would watch the movie to see his butt. End quote. They were... The executive did go on to say that they were very impressed with his acting and wanted to further cement their relationship with him. And now they're wondering if if it would even be worth it. Of course... Uh, some plastic surgeons are are saying, and I've heard from quite a few of them uh, as I was researching this segment, you know, give it some time. The face will settle. It, he probably debuted the face a little bit too soon. Uh, one plastic surgeon actually said, uh, the work itself doesn't look horrible, but... It, there needs to be a settling time, and he should have disappeared for a little while, and he could have, uh, a PR person I know actually said he could have used the breakup to give himself some, give himself some space. What's going to happen next? Uh, is he going to go on a downswing of his career, uh, or... Is this a little bump in the road that uh, he can weather? My LA source, who, as I've told you before, has run a gossip blog uh, and been part of the Hollywood scene for uh, for a long time now, actually, said that he does. He thinks that just like uh, just like a woman, um, you know, the initial shock might put people off, but. Uh, it it's the acting that will bring them back, and and ardent uh, Zac Efron fans will stand by their boy no matter what. So he said, "This is just a bump in the road," uh, and you know, once Zac, once Zac's face settles, uh, he can come out with 
a really good uh, movie or a really good uh, guest spot role on a show and wow people all over again. But he does not think that this is the end of Zac Efron's career, uh, like some pundits are saying. But it is time for me to take a break. And I'll be right back. And I am back. So, Master of None got a surprise trailer and release date last week. And people are scratching their heads because as far as they knew, uh, the show was on an indefinite hiatus. Here's what happened. Netflix went to Aziz Ansari, the creator, executive producer, and former star of the show, and told him that they needed a third season. But they didn't want him to be at the center of it anymore. They were... Uh, they chose a co-star who had actually headlined her own episode already. And it was very well received. Uh, and it won some Emmys. As he's kind of pushed back a little bit. And uh, argued that he was the star of the show. And that the audience would not accept someone else in the lead in the lead role. However, Netflix did not accept his argument and countered with, we ordered a third season more than three years ago. We have not, uh, we have not gotten any content from you outside of your specials. We need a new season of this show. We allowed you to do, uh, we allowed you to do an anthology type format and break barriers and boundaries, so do it again. This battle continued uh, before finally Netflix threatened to replace Aziz from the top altogether. According to my LA source, Aziz Ansari is very upset with Netflix over what he feels is them asserting too much creative control over his projects. Of course, that is just part of the problem here. The other part of the problem is, of course, he was accused of uh, sexual assault just about three years ago himself. Uh, just when the second season of Masters, Master of None was heating up, a woman came forward and said that he invited her back to his apartment. They fooled around. When she says she didn't want to be penetrated, he forced more oral sex on her. Uh, she forced, he forced her to perform oral sex and he performed unwanted oral sex on her. He has pushed. He has not pushed back on those charges, and indeed, uh, more or less admitted 
that uh, he had sex with a woman, although he did say that he believed it was consensual and that he did not realize that he had affected her in this way. With, with those allegations hanging over him, Aziz knew that uh, he needed to wait uh, to produce another season of the show. He is reportedly livid over his former lover's allegations, believing that it was part of a shakedown. I've asked multiple New York sources, and none of them have heard of an extortion plot or anything of the sort um, to get him to pay any kind of money. Uh, When I brought brought this over to my L.A. source, he countered that he he too had not heard about any extortion plot against Aziz Ansari. And that while it was it it, it cannot be ruled out completely, uh, he believes that uh, Aziz is more embarrassed that the woman uh claimed that he was bad uh, at oral sex. And that his whole... uh, His whole brand of being, you know, an upstanding young man, a romantic, went up in flames when people heard that he wanted... uh, That he forced a woman to perform oral sex on him. Uh and that he performed oral sex on her. When I pointed out that a lot of women might like that sort of thing, my source said, it's not about liking it or not liking it. Everyone likes the tantalization of, you know, it could happen, but you don't want to be associated with force. And he also pointed out, uh, you know, Colin Farrell, who had a sex tape where he, um, where oral sex was performed by both parties, uh, actually seen his career thrive after the sex tape was released. Uh, Mostly because he had that bad boy image going on already. And women were already throwing themselves at at him. And in just a little bit of a funny comparison, he said, isn't it funny, the bad boy Colin Farrell has never had anyone say that he forced them into having sex with him, whereas his sweetheart, romantic Aziz Ansari has. And when I, as I contemplated what he was telling me, he kind of lowered the boom. He said, the truth of the matter is, is Colin Farrell is the every, uh, the every man. You know, straight guys generally don't mind performing oral sex. Whereas, uh, 
I'm sorry, decent straight men don't mind. You know, those are the, those are the kind of guys who will woo a woman and, um, you know, if it gets to that point, they will do it. Uh, they don't feel the need to talk about it. Whereas Aziz built his whole brand on being unlucky in love and why can't someone just love him. Behind the scenes, clearly there's a reason why women ran from him. And it has nothing to do with him performing oral sex or asking for oral sex. But more, he feels he's entitled to it. <clears throat> and that entitlement led him to try to fight Netflix because he feels he's entitled to have full control over Masters of None. And he... At one point, he threatened to walk away from the show altogether. And Netflix was going to let him. <clears throat> Luckily, they were able to strike a deal. And then a uh, new season premieres in May. But look for Izzy's to keep more of a low profile. Uh, given that no one has really forgotten about these allegations and they seem ready to bubble up again um, possibly uh, sooner rather than later and with that I'm going to take a break and I'll be right back and I am back this Jennifer Lopez and Alex Rodriguez breakup is the dumbest thing I have seen in forever. <clears throat> so, we reported on the breakup, and I warned you that there was going to be a, a truanced uh, uh, reconciliation last month, uh, back in March. And true to form, J-Lo and A-Rod did at least try to give the appearance of, of a reconciliation. The reason wasn't because they were actually getting back together, however. Instead, J-Lo did not like that the press was ahead of her and give her enough time to spin her own story. And so she came out looking bad and undesirable to everyone in her mind. Instead of thinking, oh, you know, people care and they're upset for me because I was cheated on. Her thought was, people are going to say I was dumped. So why does she feel this way? Throughout her career, J-Lo has had to have... A man by her side. Uh, uh, Sean Combs. Puff Daddy himself. Um, there was. Uh, ben Affleck. Uh, which nearly tanked both of their careers. <laughs> Casper Smart. Uh, who. Even though many people. Have alleged that he's gay. Uh. You know, it was still a man by her side. 
uh, Mark Antony, who she has two, I believe she's two children with. Um, and in each of these scenarios, she was cheated on. Uh, in fact, one of the biggest rumors that I covered in my gener- in my Generation Gossip days was that she actually walked in on Casper Smart cheating on her with another man. And I believe since they broke up, he has come out of the closet. <laughs> um, but th- this is just her track record. When she got with A-Rod... Her people warned her in advance, like, you know you're going to be cheated on. But she thought that it was a good look, a really New York romance, you know, A-Rod, the pride and joy of the New York Yankees, J-Lo, the girl from the Bronx, you know, two massive superstars in their own fields, coming together. It it had a good story, it had a good... uh, uh, I had a good story. I had a good uh, uh, hook to it. And people wouldn't question why they weren't together all the time. She was off busy filming movies. He was off. Uh, by that point, he was retired or retiring. He, but he would be doing baseball games. Uh, or he would be off on one of his other mini business ventures. So when they started leaking that he was cheating on her, she started to freak out and knew that she had to get rid of him. He was no longer the asset to her brand that she had hoped for. However, by this point they had, uh, they were very closely aligned financially uh, because at, at the root of everything, they truly are friends. Um, every single one of my New York sources have confirmed that's that behind the scenes, they truly like one another. They they are truly friends. And that's why it was so easy for them to uh, go with go along with this relationship. Um, and on the other side of it, um, they were both allowed to very quietly see other people. Uh, you know, again, with them traveling so much, needs had to be met and, and all that. And their families got along, so boom, you know. Um, and they started buying businesses together, thinking, hey, like, you know, this is going to be, this is going to be okay. Well, J-Lo got very upset when it, when it was revealed that he was uh, sexting with a reality star uh, because if she was going to be cheated on it had to be someone higher on the list than her especially if it was going to be uh, leaked to the press and she warned him not to sleep with these reality stars or Instagram influencers which seemed to be his favorite uh, according to quite a few sources of mine because she knew that they only wanted to get some press and boost their profiles. And he did not listen. So, 
this this mini reconciliation was Arod's semi apology to her and allowing her to spin uh, the story her way, which is you know she couldn't trust him and therefore could not uh, continue to be in a relationship with him. And while you might think that uh, this would hurt Arod's brand. It actually doesn't. There's no real backlash here against him. Uh, and there's no real scandal. Uh, he, among sports fans, he's good at his job. And his personal life doesn't really matter. So he doesn't have to put on airs about, you know, being a, a good family man or anything like that. And as he transitions over into a businessman, uh, it, it's not going to uh, affect him that way either. Uh, 99% of businessmen are cheating on their partners. Maybe not that high. Maybe that is a little high. But, <laughs> um, you know, uh, my friend who is in PR kind of laid it all out for me. She said, you know, with J-Lo, she's built her brand on being very desirable. And, you know, that's why women want to emulate her. And uh, straight men want to (coughs) be with her. Uh, Her words were a lot crasser. But (laughs) Um, whereas A-Rod doesn't have those concerns. So look for him to keep more of a low profile as J-Lo starts to do her spin. Um, Everyone is expecting her to debut a new lover within the next few weeks. Uh, The running candidate here was uh, Josh Jamel, who is starring uh, in her romantic comedy Shotgun Wedding. Replacing Army Hammer. Uh, according to my sources, JLo had already sensed that this was the way the relationship with Arod was going to go. And uh, seeing as Army Hammer was going through his own divorce, she thought it would be perfect for them to do the fake relationship thing. Uh, both were A list stars. Both had garnered critical acclaim throughout their career, and they could boost one another. Once his cannibal scandal broke, she had to step away uh, from that plan, uh, and she wanted to go with Josh Jamel, but Josh is pushing back on that, (coughs) saying that he doesn't want to be part of a fake relationship. Uh, so, it's going to be interesting to see who she ends up teaming with. <clears throat> um, multiple sources think that she can convince Josh, uh, to do it at least in the short term. <clears throat> um, and that would give her time to figure out who her next, uh, love will be. Uh, And some are also pointing out that it's very possible that she reconciles with Ben Affleck. 
but I don't think that's too too feasible at this point. But we will stay on top of the story, and I will be right back. And I am back. Ashton Kutcher has been advocating for uh, for the stop of sex trafficking. Uh, he is really hardcore into this. Uh, in fact, a lot of people say that his name could be synonymous with the anti-trafficking movement. Uh, muddying up his reputation, uh, at least a little bit, is the fact that his best friend and co-star on two uh, successful sitcoms, That 70 Show and The Ranch on Netflix, <coughs> is Danny Masterson, who is accused of raping multiple women and is facing charges uh, for that very thing. Now... No one has ever come forward and accused Ashton Kutcher of raping them. And I say this because I want to make sure that we are projecting here. In no way is Ashton Kutcher accused of uh, of, of sexual assault or anything of that sort. However, according to multiple sources, he is very concerned about uh, allegations coming. Not because he actually did anything wrong, but because of his association with Danny Masterson. In fact, some of Danny's some of Danny's accusers have told the police that Ashton was in the house, he was sleeping, uh, and but they do not believe that he knew what was happening uh, to them. But this has Ashton paranoid because he has built his career on being uh, the nice guy. He's built his career on being um, relatable. Uh, you know, uh, on that 70s show, he was, he was a little, maybe a little bit dopey, but um, people really liked uh, the people really liked him. On Two and a Half Men... Uh, it was not an easy job replacing Charlie Sheen, who was immensely popular with the audience, if not the crew and the cast. Um, but Ashton was able to step in and carry the show forward for another four seasons. Uh, so, um, and then of course the ranch was literally built around him. Uh, and his, uh, and, and, and his reputation and all that. So, as he's thinking about what his next project is going to be, he is worried that his association and name coming up in any kind of context with Danny Masterson is going to hinder his ability to get work. Uh, thus far, his wife, Mila Kunis, has not had uh, to worry about it and continues to book work uh, all the time. 
but because Ashton and Danny were best friends and Mila has distanced her- herself from Danny, uh, some people are saying that that could be, that could be why. Um, there are other reasons, of course. Um, so, what is Ashton actually worried about? If he didn't do anything wrong, why, why is he fearful of, of anything coming out? Here are, here is where it gets a little complicated for him. Uh, as I said, there are uh, uh, at least one accuser has said that she knows that Ashton was in the house sleeping. Um, and she went out of her way to to clear him and say, you know, there's no way he knew what was happening. Uh, I I only knew he was there because Danny told me. So she didn't even see him in the house. Um, she's just going by... Uh, that Danny told her, which raises questions about why uh, Danny would tell her that Ashton was in the house, um, knowing that he was about to rape her. Um, according to my LA source, he believes that Danny was trying to intimidate her, uh, and that was part of the reason why he tried to uh, have. Um, everything moved to the Scientology courts where he knows he would be cleared uh, because he's a big supporter and donates a lot of money and these women likely would not. But of course, since this is a criminal case and not a civil case, that was not going to happen. The civil case, I believe, was moved to uh, Scientology arbitration, but um, I believe that's being appealed. Uh, when when I was speaking with my LA source about this, he also mentioned that one of the guys who was forced to perform oral sex on Danny Masterson also noted uh, that he believed Ashton was around. Ashton did not partake again in the uh, in the assault at all. Nor does he believe that. Uh, Danny told him. Um, but the important part of this is uh, if Ashton knows if his name keeps popping up like, oh, he was around when this girl was raped or he was around when this guy was assaulted by Danny Masterson, people are going to start to wonder what did he know and why didn't he stop? And that is why he is working overtime to, that is why Ashton is working overtime to keep his name away from this case as much as possible. Uh, He is not paying anyone off or doing anything illegal. Again, I need to stress this. Ashton Kutcher is not under any criminal investigation that we're aware of. And he is not... Um, being accused of anything. But uh, you can kind of see where he's trying to remove himself uh, from association with uh, Danny Masterson 
Uh, and while he objected to Danny being fired from the ranch uh, at first, he is now grateful that they forced him to uh, fire his friend. Um, because he knows it's a good PR move and uh, ultimately will save him. What happens um, should any of these come out? Ashton, uh, according to uh, my PR friend and according to my LA source, um, Ashton is going to move very quickly and either deny being in the house or being around, or the more likely scenario will be uh, that he just denies any knowledge of the assault happening, but praises the victims for coming forward and uh, asking them to please uh, continue telling their stories. With that, uh, it's also not likely that it's going to gain much traction in the mainstream media or on the gossip blogs. Uh, While Ashton is not necessarily a fan of, um, not a favorite, I should say, of either of them, uh, he does pay enough attention that if he hears something bubbling up, he usually can do something to change the story. Uh, And one thing to note is, according to my LA source, uh, Demi Moore has insinuated on more than one occasion that Ashton, uh, that Ashton, uh, forced her into threesomes and she has very heavily implied um, although not stated outright that Ashton asked for uh, the uh, the threesome partner to be male and She has apparently receipts, according to my LA source. One said partner who uh, messed around with them has already uh, started to make noise about coming forward. Now, again, there's no assault uh, accusations coming, uh, but... Apparently, what he uh, what he is going to suggest is that Ashton may have a rape fantasy, uh, where allegedly um, when they when they did their thing, he. Um, penetrated both Demi and Ashton uh, and it's allegedly on film uh, which Ashton is terrified of coming out given the accusations against his friend and that is uh, 
he is trying to talk to his ex-wife and uh, several of their former threesome partners to make sure everyone is going to stay quiet uh, and that none of them felt they were coerced into anything. All of them have admitted to it being consensual. And most of them have agreed to stay silent except for this man. Uh, At this point... Uh, there's no reason to believe that anyone is, that he's going to come forward. Uh, but there's no reason to believe that he's not going to either. Um, that is late breaking news. Uh, from my LA source, it literally just came into my inbox as I was recording the segment. Yay. <laughs> um, that's going to do it for me for today. Thank you all so much for listening. And coming up is a very special Politalk with Will. Where I want to warn listeners that we'll we'll go into details about police shootings. So if you're sensitive to that sort of thing, uh, be prepared uh, when he starts talking about it. Uh, Once again, thank you all so much for listening. And until we talk again, Will's coming up. Hey folks, welcome back to Politalk. It's producer Will back again with the latest updates on all the dumbest political stories happening nationwide. Whether you want them or not. (laughs) We're going to start up by following up on a story from last week. Specifically, the conclusion of the murder trial of former police officer Derek Chauvin. The trial's resolution was a fairly short one. After the prosecution and defense presented their closing arguments, jurors debated for 10 hours before returning a verdict of guilty on all counts, specifically one count of second-degree manslaughter, one count of third-degree murder, and one count of second-degree murder. The judge in the case, Peter Cahill, denied him bail, and Chauvin was escorted out of the trial in handcuffs to await a sentencing hearing in June. This was a pretty strange trial to watch. The national mood indicated that the outcome was very much up in the air, despite In my opinion, the prosecution presenting a much stronger case than the defense. And I'm no legal observer, but in a number of instances, the judge seemed outright hostile to the prosecution, threatening mistrial when they attempted to introduce new evidence to counter a theory presented by the defense, launching a rant against Maxine Waters after the congresswoman held a rally in the state and even laying out a path for the defense to appeal the verdict, based on his and her earlier comments. The defense is expected to try to do so. Chauvin's conviction came as a relief to many activists, who have long fought and long been denied any semblance of police accountability. However, it is unclear how much, if any, long-term change will come from this. Black activists have pointed out that the problems that led to George Floyd's death have not been solved. In fact, there were two high-profile cases of police fatally shooting black teenagers, either while the trial was ongoing or in its immediate aftermath. 16-year-old Makia Bryant was shot in Columbus, Ohio, and 13-year-old Adam Toledo was shot in Chicago. The Bryant case, the more recent one, is a complicated one to make sense of. The Columbus Police Department released body cam footage of the shooting shortly after it happened. 
In the video, Bryant is seen attacking another group of teenagers with a knife, while the responding officer orders her to drop the knife and back away. When she does not do so, he shoots her fatally. Bryant's family claimed that she made the call, and that the group she was fighting with her knife had originally attacked her, and that she was acting in self-defense. It's unclear if the responding officers had that information. The Toledo case is a lot less complicated. Officers initially claimed that he had been shot during an armed encounter. However, the officer's body cam footage would later show that he had thrown away his weapon, and was holding his hands up when they shot him. Both shootings have sparked large-scale protests. These events have drawn the typical reaction from the usual crowd of right-wing media figures and senators. Tucker Carlson, in particular, has drawn a lot of flack for his response to the Chauvin verdict. He claimed that it was a sign of America's collapse, suggested that the jurors might have been pressured by Democrats and the woke mob, and worried about whether or not this would cause police officers to quit in large numbers, implicitly pushing us closer and closer to American collapse and carnage. Notably, Tucker has ignored the opinions of several actual cops on this subject. When former New York corrections officer Ed Gavin applauded the jury's verdict on his show, calling Chauvin's actions pure savagery and noting that they were wildly different from the ways in which he had been trained to subdue prisoners during his time on the force, Carlson publicly laughed at him, cut him off, and ended the interview early. Old Tucker's been getting into a lot of trouble for voicing sentiments like these. Recently on his show, he claimed that Democrats were trying to replace American voters with voters from the third world, voicing a key tenet of modern white supremacy, and simultaneously proving once and for all that cancel culture does not exist, because if it did, this fucker would not have a job. One last thing before I go. As you may or may not know, Ed and I have an agreement when it comes to celebrities who weigh in on politics, and that's that generally, unless they get involved in politics, they're his responsibility. If they should get involved in politics by running or starting a pack to defeat an opponent, then I cover that. This is one of those times that I really wish I hadn't made that agreement. Caitlyn Jenner is the latest individual to throw her hat into the ring for the recall election for governor of California. She will be running as a Republican, which is expected to further split that party's vote. Not sure I like the fact that Gavin Newsom is most likely going to get away with his behavior during the pandemic with no consequences, but at least the state is likely to remain blue. You may notice I'm avoid talking more about uh, Jenner's positions and her candidacy. That's because I don't want to. I'm sure you can understand. Anyway, that's all for me tonight, folks. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, cheers.